0: Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started.
1: Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host,
0: Dr. Heidi Horsley.
1: Heidi, we're going to be talking about a really important topic today, because we're going to be talking about supporting community and family after a tragic loss, because I don't think people realize, you know, these losses just ripple, and uh, not only the immediate family, but a ripple effect that it has. So do you want to introduce our guest today, Heidi? She's a real expert on dealing with this.
0: I do, Mom, And, and I want to say, you know, the tragedy we're going to be talking about, I mean, it's a very public thing, and like you said, 9-11, 9-11, the Aurora shootings, Columbine, all these things, they they don't just impact an individual, they impact, you know, a city, a country, a town, a nation. I mean, they have, like you said, a very big ripple effect. So we're going to be talking to Heather Dearman today about this. She has been a guest on our cable show and did a phenomenal show on this. If you want to go to Open to Hope and watch her. Uh, She is the founding member of the Survivors of Tragedy Outreach Program, which is called STOP, and I am a founding member with her as well, and this is through Tuesday's Children. She is the CEO of the 720 Memorial Fund, which was established in the wake of the Aurora Theater shootings. Heather's family was deeply affected by this tragedy, as Heather's cousin Ashley was wounded in the Aurora Theater shooting, and her 6 year old daughter Veronica was killed. Heather provides support across the nation to communities who have experienced similar tragedy through the Paper Crane Peace Project. Welcome to the show, Heather.
2: Thank you for having me. Back in 2012, um, when I was working, and I also work for the city of Aurora um, in the Civil Service Commission, Um, We had a terrible tragedy right in our community at the Aurora Theater. During that day, I remember finding out that my cousin Ashley was in the theater, and um, she was there with her daughter, Veronica, six-year-old Veronica, and my cousin was also pregnant. And Ashley was shot and um, ended up being paralyzed, but sadly, she also lost six-year-old Veronica and her unborn child. Um, my cousin Ashley is just such a beautiful, humble person. She always has been even before the tragedy and um, very shy and still hasn't told her story. Um, but um, little six-year-old Veronica, she was just this happy child, innocent child who loved everything. She loved everyone around her and made you feel so special when you were with her. And she just had such a joy and a, and a zest for life. And so um, I think ever since, that day happened. I've always had Veronica on my shoulder and in the back of my mind the whole time, just you know, trying to remember that um, to look at life through child's eyes and just to enjoy everything around you and love everyone and be kind. And I think that's always been my um, my inspiration going forward with helping um, you know the community. Um, when, when it touched my family, we have a big family. My mom was one of 13 and like I said, Ashley's my cousin. And so it really impacted our family hugely, our extended family, um, just mm-hmm. to have the whole world looking at us. And um, it was kind of a new thing back then, not so much now to have a, a mass tragedy happen where the whole world's eyes are on you. And it did tear a lot of our family apart in the beginning. And it was really hard to, um, navigate that and see your family dynamics change in such a huge way. What kind of
1: dynamics uh, happened?
2: So my aunts were very protective of Ashley and of keeping things quiet Mm. and um, you know I know that my grandfather my grandparents died um, when I was way younger and I found out later that my grandpa was an alcoholic and so there's that a lot of shame I know that goes on with families that have that in their family and I I, I can only imagine looking back now, back then, I didn't understand, and I felt very um, shamed of myself because we weren't allowed to talk about it. Like they were like, "Don't watch the news, don't believe anything the news says. Um, you know, they didn't want their their laundry aired in front of the world. One of the
0: unique things about having somebody die in such a public way, like you said, because, you know, it's on the news and you don't have a lot of privacy and you've got the media and all these other people in your, you know, trying to get the story and coming
2: into your home. And it's it can feel very intrusive, I'm sure. And it's, it's so wonderful to hear you say that that you hear about that all the time, because when it happened to me, I literally thought we were the only family who had this little issue going on within us. But it wasn't until I became a part of the foundation, met other family members, and then slowly you learn by connecting with others who it has affected that that happened to them too. Because you feel so alone when it happens to you and your family. And you think you're the only one that's going through it.
1: And I I would think at that time that if you were silent about it, your community could not come and help you. I mean, people who would want to step up
2: exactly and I think that's what was unique in my situation and my experience of it was that like the day that it happened I don't know what came over me but my heart like it was broke so wide open like I I just like it it cracked open and all of a sudden I was vulnerable and maybe felt like I was floating and all of a sudden people would come in into my life or or right when I needed them it was like I was open to receiving the love and the care and that happened to me the very first day with people i had met and like coming to me seeing me cry or seeing me look afraid and asking me what was wrong and me being able to tell them right away what was wrong your family was struggling it sounds like you got support from
1: your community
2: Mm -hmm, exactly i saw the support from the community and um I was just really so impressed about how people embraced us and wanted to help us. And like I said, I work for the city of Aurora as well. And we were getting notes of love and support from all over the world. Like people would send us banners with signatures on them and they would hang them in the city hall. And so Uh I saw that firsthand, whereas, you know, a lot of my family, they were being sheltered and they kind of didn't listen to it or were like keeping their eyes closed to it, maybe. And I really wanted that for them to experience it with me. And that was a struggle that um, I've learned to um, feel okay with now because since it's been 10 years, because only even only within my own five children, everyone feels it in a different way. And in the beginning, I would be so sad for one of my daughters who was struggling with it and wishing that she would come to the events and stuff and, and she just didn't want to. But um, now she experienced going to Las Vegas when that tragedy happened and then her heart opened up. So I know that It will come with time and they have to experience it when they're ready to experience it. Tell me about more about what you're doing. It sounds like
0: you are going to other mass tragedies to help communities heal.
2: Yes, we started as our foundation um, back when we started fundraising really a lot for the memorial to be built in um, 2015. Um, We decided Sadly, tragedies were happening more often. So at our booths when we were raising money, we would have the banners for people to sign and um, take them to that community so that they, because we knew how much the love and support meant to us and how it helped us get through.
1: You didn't just jump in and do this right away. It sounds like it was three years later when you were ready. I think people don't realize that there needs to be kind of some dust settling before you can do you know, step out and, and do things because things happen so fast. And, and and you're
2: wanting to help your loved one. Like in the beginning too, we were so all focused with Ashley and wanting her to be okay and um, being there, you know, by her side, but at the same time being told not to mention anything to her because they didn't want to upset her. Right. So that, then you're holding that all inside and you're feeling it all like trapped inside your gut the whole time. This happened to you too, and it does affect you. And mm-hmm. a lot of people feel guilty about feeling um, the sadness about it. Like, well, it didn't happen to me, so I don't deserve to feel sad. But um, that could end up being very hurtful later.
0: And you went and you did the 720 Memorial Fund, and you've also done the Paper Crane Peace Project. So can you tell us a little bit about
2: those and how you're helping the community through those? Well, when we... We're looking for artists to build our memorial. Um, the artists got to see some of the mementos that were left at our um, the memorial across the street, and one of them was a thousand paper cranes that a boy in um, O'Fallon, Missouri, had sent us with notes on it. And so, um, we our memorial is 83 cranes, and 13 in the middle represent the injured, and the 70 surrounding them represent the injured. Um, but we decided instead of doing the banners that we would do paper cranes. And so we could go to community events and have people fold paper cranes like this. And we also have some already folded and we have them write a note on the paper crane. And then we assemble it on a wreath and we send the crane to the other communities. When we were doing the banners, people wouldn't know what to write. And can you imagine like trying to write something on this big banner where everyone can see what you wrote? they're doing the paper cranes, they felt much more intimate and you know we're able to share their hearts on them inside of each of the 83 sculpted cranes is a little container and we collected notes from the community and they're inside the container inside the crane so when you visit our memorial it's almost like you can feel the presence and the blessing of everyone that who wrote a note in the crane so it's just so special and now we actually have a paper crane We call it the Paper Crane Peace Box, but um, at Columbine survivor connected with us and wanted to do something for us. He survived Columbine and he built a little lending library. It's beautiful. It has this base on it that in woodwork shows you how to fold a crane. And we have not only the books in there, but also um, origami paper and cranes so that people can leave a crane. We do our little part in all of this to spread a message of hope and love and peace. I remember, getting ready to mail a wreath somewhere. And that day, another tragedy happened and I got to work and I'm like, I don't even think I could find it in my heart to like ask people to give more love and give more paper cranes right now. And at that very moment, the mailman from our work came up with a letter and it was a letter from the Tree of Life Synagogue who we had sent a wreath to many months earlier. And it said, this meant so so much to us. That you Not sent her last wreath. And it was just at the right time when I was almost about to give up hope. With the paper cranes and the wreaths and everything like that, it just seemed like we would meet the right person at the right time who happened to be like going to that community to take a wreath there. With the STOP program just starting up, we're wanting to get a lot of us together who have um, gone through this journey already and have best practices and be a source, a resource for people. And when, when something else happens, I think you can talk about different stuff, Heidi, but like, I wanna say that the most important thing to me when Tuesday's Children started this is that they are um, made sure that us founding members have support too. So when something tragic happens in the news, we have Mm -hmm. um, people to support us in our our trauma grief at that moment before we start serving others.
1: That is such a good point. Always taking care of yourself.
0: I love what this thought program wants to do. Like I said, they're in their infancy, but bringing together all these people. I mean, I worked for the the fire department for 10 years in New York City after, after someone lost someone in the World Trade Center. And I saw what the impact of what you're saying, Heather, the impact communities have on helping people heal. And so, you know, getting all these people together that unfortunately have been with all these mass tragedies and figuring out How to best support communities going forward will be our goal. And so we've got a really amazing team of people like Heather that are already doing this.
1: If somebody's had a mass tragedy, could you give them a couple of tips on help and what they need to do?
2: For someone who has been through a mass tragedy, I would first like to tell them that the best thing you can do for yourself is to not be afraid to be vulnerable and let people know that you're hurting because it's amazing the way that people will come to you and comfort you and you'll feel that love and it'll it'll help fill some of that hole. The hole will never be filled of course, but um, just be honest about your feelings and um, know that it's okay to feel sad and and hurt and, and to ask for help. And also, um, look around you at your community and notice how the community comes together and and puts those memorials together and is giving you um, love and support in that way, even though it might not be one-on-one, it is meant for you too. I can tell you when I go and visit like the Boulder shooting tragedy and I'm laying something down in in front of the fence when I'm doing that, I'm thinking of everyone who was affected, not only the people who were in the store, but the people in the surrounding neighborhoods, the police officers, the first responders Mm -hmm. and so really just um just take that moment to like really recognize that it's meant for you too
1: i love that thank you and how do people get a hold of you where give us your website
2: yeah so we do have a website at 7-20 memorial.org and we are in the planning stages of our 10-year remembrance for next year and so we are looking for volunteers if you're in the area in colorado and also sponsors it and things like that but it's it's to be a beautiful remembrance event the theme is going to be um, metamorphosis because we've all gone through such a metamorphosis over the 10 years of growing of post-traumatic growth and everything like that and I think it's really going to be like um, very special for everyone in who is able to come to our event too because like really the whole world has gone through you know a trauma with the pandemic and everything like that and so it kind of connects even if you weren't a part of a mass tragedy you still have had trauma in your life and i feel like it would be very healing to be a part of our event
1: great well thank you so much for being on the show today and for all the good you've done and uh uh, you're a great person oh
0: thank you thank you so much heather i love your spirit You have have such good energy. You are showing us that you can have hope again after loss. So thanks for all you're doing for the communities out there.
1: And thanks, everybody, for uh, joining us on this show today. And please visit us at opentohope.com. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless.
0: I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast.